Welcome to this podcast of Center of Leafs Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. I am joined by my co-host yet again, Anthony Sino. Welcome back. We're actually together on a much happier note uh, this week. Um, you know, before we kind of delve into some of the hot topics of the week, um, I just want to kind of get your vibe on, you know, the Leafs and kind of how your week has gone and, and so on. So uh, I think... Uh... Like personally, everything's pretty good. Um, obviously enjoying the way that the teams played, uh, especially last night uh, against Vegas. Um, this was a big week, right? They yeah. two, three teams, two in their division, where they're sort of viewed as contenders. And I, I get um, the disclaimer uh, about the. Uh, badly injured Vegas Golden Knights. It seems like they're really going to be battling those injuries for a while. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to play the team in front of you. And they quite simply dominated that game. And uh, we've definitely been on the other side of it, where we've seen them get, enter a game, even or especially earlier this season, where um, the other team has a lot of players out. And basically almost an AHL team and the Leafs got curb stomped. So it yeah. really goes to show how, um, how the, the, this sort of the, the morale of the team is kind of picked up. There's something, something right definitely was said in that locker room after the first period in Chicago last week. So uh, it, it looks to be uh, turning around, but again, it's still early, only 10 games in. So we can't really read too much into it, but um, it's it, you feel a lot better about the team going into two big division games against Tampa and Boston than I would if they would have lost even one or one or two of those games, especially if they lost against either Detroit or Vegas. So um, I, I do feel good, and and it's good to see that uh, the puck's starting to go in the net again for this team. Yeah, like I think a lot of the challenges, and I know I was, you know, I kind of preached it last week. Was it was a it was a battle of con of of confidence um, for a lot of the big boys. Um, so it's kind of nice for me. My biggest takeaway, obviously, is Mitch Marner finding his game and how quickly that game in Chicago has seemed to have gone to his head and to his hands. Because that goal last night was a thing of beauty. Yeah, uh, that was nice. Yeah, and, and, you know, we're starting to see that creativity come back. Um, even the top power play, I believe, got a goal last night. Um, you know, what more can we possibly say about William Nylander? You know, like, he's just had an amazing start to the year that passed to Austin. Man, like, the guy just, like, telegraphs it. Like, stick to stick. Like, you know, if you're a guy like Austin Matthews and you're getting a pass like that, like, really, there hasn't really been that much of a drop-off. And I think I actually like the balanced approach. Um, I think Mitch really does pair well with Tavares. I think maybe even having him on the second line maybe takes some of that pressure that he feels off of him. Um, and it kind well, of I, well, to sorry to interrupt, Pat, but well, I read I think the most perfect tweet yesterday about uh, the the top two lines, and and it was originated in the fact that uh, Marner and Matthews are playing different, uh, like separately, and yeah. it was that it, it's almost like they they're playing a bit more of an honest game 
and they're not really it it's almost like especially lately where i got the fact that those two together it just seemed like all right the high like it was almost like they're trying to make the highlight reel play every shift whereas now that they're split up i think they're just trying it's almost like the 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 pressure to not make the pretty play it has a has has gone away for them and and they're just they're really just finding ways to get pucks to the net and dogging on pucks and and really letting their skill come to the forefront yeah they're simplifying it the game the game it's it's you know when when they were together you're right they were looking for that extra pass or you know they wanted that highlight real goal where now it's just like Let's just get the puck in the net. Like, I it's don't also, care how we do it. Sorry, it's also about it's. I think it's also with regards to the tendencies and the way that other teams play. Um, yeah. other other teams play uh, or play against those players, right? With Mitch, a lot of it is people are are really trying to force him to pass. They're or sorry yeah. to shoot, um, and they they play a little bit different against Mitch than they would against William Nylander and because of the way that the the difference in their play right yeah. and Marner and Ma- and Nylander it it really it opens up different things um, oh yeah it, it, it opens it, up a for, for for Tavares and Matthews right because because those guys are good shooters as well and yeah. I think with and 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 we've talked about how good those two lines have been and we haven't even talked about uh, the third uh, option on either of those lines in Bunting and Kerfoot and how well they've played, right? Yeah. They, those, I think right now they've really found a, a, a good chemistry. We knew that Kerfoot and Taveras worked well um, yeah. uh, with Nylander, but now when you have, when you got Marner there, like Marner's really good at uh, like offensive turn creating offensive turnovers in the Ozone. And so is Nylander. Um, but it's a matter of what they do once they get that puck and they're turning quickly turning it back into offense and um like you said right like the the goals that they've created so far have uh have been kind of vintage for the big four right it's really nice to see all of them get on the score sheet in the last couple games and just really have big nights and and the way i kind of look at it and i still see you know there's there's still that anger within a certain portion of leafs nation um that same group is very quick to criticize after a loss um, and they're not willing to give this team credit after a win. And the way I've always looked at this team and the way I kind of just look at life is, you know, if you're going to criticize someone when they're doing something poorly, at least have the objectivity to acknowledge when someone's doing something correct. You know what I mean? Like they're playing mm-hmm. better hockey. Like it doesn't matter that Vegas was injured because no one would have cared if the Leafs were injured and we lost. You know what I mean? Like, why, why does this game matter because of injuries? But the, the fact that Leafs lost Tavares, you know what I mean, in the playoffs and we lost Muzzin in game six, why doesn't that play into people's feelings about this team? You know what I mean? Like, no, why, that's, a, and that's, I, an excellent, that's an excellent point. And, and, and I saw a tweet and then I saw another tweet and I kind of responded because I do when I see, you know, some stupidity. Um, the guy's like, oh, you know, the Leafs beat Vegas because Vegas hadn't seen Toronto. They hadn't played each other. But that applies yeah. to Toronto. Yeah, you know, it's uh, some people. It's such a, it, it, again, it's, it's the smartest. Ru- it's the smartest guy in the room mentality on Twitter, 
um, yeah. that uh, I try and stay away from. It's it's everyone just be like, oh, this, this, and this. That everyone's trying to find a reason to to be unique. I guess you can say, you know what well, I mean. It, it, and it, it, it's the one ahead. one upsmanship on Baghead. Like once that account kind of took off, it's like this. It's like it's like that swimming to the bottom of the barrel at this point. It's like who's going to mm-hmm. be the next most outrageous person? You know what I mean? And, and I mm-hmm. and I warned about it because I thought that that type of mentality um, would eventually seep in. And it's you know I'm I'm starting to see the a lot of people that used to follow some of these accounts um, now start to push back, which is good, but we need that objectivity. Like you can't like you can't, like I know in a fan, you know, it's very quick to ride out on emotion and, you know, we're quick to be angry, but as just as we're quick to be angry, let's just acknowledge when things are going well. Like, you know, why, why aren't we praising, you know, the bottom two defensemen in Sandin and Lilligren? They played remarkable since they've become a pair. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot to look forward to. And, and it, I'm not tooting a horn. I'm not planning a parade. I'm just saying, let's look at today. Let's worry about today and let tomorrow kind of play itself out. And there's so many really good stories, like watching Timothy Lugan. He looks like he's always been there. Yeah, we've, you know, there's been some wars here and there, but that's his growth. And he might still have a stinker in the, in the pipeline. You know what I mean? Like, he's a rookie defenseman. He's just coming in and learning the NHL game. But do we throw the baby out with the bathwater after, you know, a game that we know is coming from him? Like, it, we know a bad game is coming. When? We don't know. You know what I mean? Like, we, we have to kind of relax. We kind of have to exhale and kind of just enjoy the season for how, it, how it's playing itself out right now. Absolutely. I think um, uh, that's, a, that's a really good way of looking at it. I think the, the ways that um, kind of just when it's positive, you gotta you gotta give people what they what what they deserve, and when it's negative, we we call it out, right? So, yeah. I think that's the the right approach. Um, unfortunately, it's not like the highs can't be high and the lows yes. can't be that low. Yes, you know what I but mean. But like, uh, unfortunately, it is it is easier to just be pessimistic about the team oh, yes. because look, like just everyone knows everyone who knows me and has read um my my stuff before it's they, they know i'm a numbers guy so look the, the the odds are that the leafs the odds that the leafs go on a deep run this year are less likely than they they will sorry a word 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 uh word puzzle there but for some reason they're more likely to not go far in the uh playoffs than they actually are to go on the run just by the sheer numbers of hockey right like Hockey is a fickle game and just by, based on statistics, right? So it, with that being said, it's easier to say, oh, this team doesn't have what it takes to win the Stanley Cup. Like, for example, um, the on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, Ryan Whitney says this, this is before they had this solid week of games. But so I think it was before the Chicago game. So last week, and he said, this team has zero chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Well, He's got to be over exaggerating because it's a podcast and he needs clicks and all that stuff. But the facts are that um, it's st- statistically speaking, like, yeah, it's easier to say they won't win because the the probability of them winning is is still relatively 32. small, right? Not one in it's thirty-two. One in 30, well, okay, well, one in, whatever. One in I'm talking about the t- I'm talking about the way that like. You just the the analytics guys that project it right like it's no one really 
I can look it up, but no one really has like a solid percentage of like more than 20% of winning the Stanley cup, even in the preseason. Yeah. Like Dom decision has those power rankings that he, uh, that he releases every, every day. And I think like the Leafs have like a really good chance of making the playoffs. I'm pretty sure it's like 93% or something like that of making the playoffs. But the, the thing is, is that like with every round, the probability of moving on gets multiplied. Right. So um, it's, hold on, let me pull it up. See if I got it here. Like, either way, either way, it, I'll look it up. But the, the, the thing is, it's just, it's my point is it's easier to, it's easier to be pessimistic is all right. And so when they, the odds are that they don't do it, then they can say, well, like, Oh, I told you so. Well, like, not really. You didn't really take that hot, like that hot of a take on, on the matter. You just kind of said what was most likely to happen. And um, to me, I just, I, that's pretty sad way to be a hockey fan. Like if you're a Leafs fan, don't you want them to win? Don't you want to, you want to believe that the team is good. You want to believe that there's hope, no, but they don't. I've thrown this out on multiple occasions when I see people who want to see Keith and Shanahan and Dubas fail. And I always equate it back to if you're sitting on an airplane, do you want your pilot to fail? Like, are no. you, are you like excited? Oh, my pilot, my, my, I'm hoping my pilot crashes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is a team that you're supposedly cheer for. So if Kyle Dubas does well, then aren't you happy? Because that means the team's doing well. You know, like, mm-hmm. he, um, didn't Dubas just pass Lou Lamorello for most, win, like, for most wins as a GM? Uh, yeah, very recently. I think it was and then, uh, a then couple Keith, games. Keith has had a really good record since coming up as a coach. Like, have things been yep. perfect? No. You know, but, like, this is the first year that he, he's had a regular training camp. Like, how does that play out over an 82-game season? How does that play out in the playoffs? Like, we don't know. And I'm not worried about the playoffs. I'll worry about the playoffs when we're worried about the playoffs. When we're talking playoffs. Like, when we're in April and we're almost back in our shorts and T-shirts again, you know what I mean? That's when I'll worry about the playoffs. Because there's, I think that there's a, a longer learning curve for this team and I think that there's lessons that can be learned in the ebbs and flows of this season because I think deep down they know this could be the last year together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's see how they respond. And then it actually takes me to, a, to an, you know, the next topic of today's podcast is Justin Hall. I have struggled with him since the starting of the year, and I'm very patient. And you know this of me, Anthony. I always give players the benefit of the doubt. But Justin Absolutely. Hall just doesn't look right. Mind you, neither has Jake Muzzin. And, you know, could it be an injury? But Jake Muzzin looks a little bit slower. Um, you know, maybe the emergence of Sandin and Lilligren have kind of made those other two look poorly, like even even worse. But they just, they, that pairing just doesn't look right to me. And Justin Hall's a big factor. Like some of the mental lapses and some of the poor pinches that we saw from, you know, I think it was the game against Chicago, where was it Hall or Muzzin that went in for a pinch? And, Chicago almost scored on a breakaway. Like, it's the uh, yeah, that, side of the game that they're lacking. It's it for me. For me, with Hall, it's it, it's it's a it's a combination of things, and and a lot of it is rooted in his ability to both process the game and play uh, the the game, uh, and with regards to his speed. So he, there 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 is one specific play, and I, and I think you kind of reference it, but I'll just clarify for for our listeners here is that. There's 
And look, it could happen to anyone. Toronto for sure knows their fair share of defensemen that have mental lapses, right? But like, we're, I just, it's very, very frustrating for me because if I'm, my point of view is that if I can easily point out how stupid the, the, the choice is from my couch yeah. watching the game, like you're in it every day. Like this isn't my full-time job. Right. I, I don't have people uh, like I don't get paid to know exactly what to do in an NHL game. But if I can so easily point out the logical thing that should have happened here, then like you really just you really fucked up for lack of better words. And the one play where and, and it was a perfect there was there was multiple plays in the Chicago game that I think forced Justin Hall to the press box. But the first one was the second goal, I believe, for Chicago, is the Debrinket breakaway, is um, I think the team is trying to get off for a change, and Justin Hall has just caught on. So his defenseman that he came on for got a change, but the other four guys on the ice, I think it was like Kasha, Kampf, Engvall, and Brody, I believe, they're trying to get a change, right? And unfortunately they're caught in their own zone whatever it happens right however justin hall gets possession of the puck now he loops around he makes a great play to escape the defender and uh and it's actually to bring out the four checker and he comes up the wall and this puck's got to get deep right like he know, he should know and i and i've i've been on ice before and obviously again not at the same level but when you're when your line mates need a change, believe me, they're telling you, we get it deep. We need to change. Right. Yeah. So he fails to do so. He flubs on the puck and it just like trickles over one guy and it kind of gets near Andre Kasha, who again, can't get it, can't tip it deep because it's a Paul put like did not leave Kasha in a good situation. And Kasha's also trying to get off. So this puck should have been flipped up high and landing into the Chicago zone, ideally not for icing, but if it had to go for icing, okay, whatever. Like, but it should have just, it should have landed. The puck should have been flipped high into the Chicago zone. It doesn't, it lands like at the red line, Seth Jones picks it up. So now at this point, Seth Jones is clearly going to be the first person to get the puck on a stick. And now Justin Hall is like, watching the puck admiring his shitty pass and in this process i remember showing some one of my friends i took two screenshots it's when the puck leaves a stick and then it's when the puck arrives on seth jones's stick and in that point of view justin hall has not even looked around in his surroundings and he's just kind of puck watching and in that purpose he moves from the leafs blue line to center ice and he doesn't realize that two Chicago Blackhawks players have slipped in behind him. It's only when the puck is now leaving Seth Jones's stick that Justin Hall turns around and Debrinka and I forget whoever else was behind him are in on a breakaway and they go yeah. down and score. And then obviously the second one is a little bit more famous. It went viral on Twitter is that got shown in the, in the intermission is the him, him failing to play a little bit quicker and get the puck in deep and Austin Matthews being visibly upset yeah. and yelling it at him on the bench. So those are two plays for me where I just think like, like he's just, he's got, he is not playing up to the standard that we're used to seeing from him. Um, and it, it's 
probably a combination of a lot of things I'm sure has to do with the illness that he was dealing with early in the season. Uh, it, again, it's a, definitely a confidence thing. And I think that what we're doing is we're forgetting that Justin Hall is not some cagey NHL veteran, right? He is a, a late bloomer. How old is he? I think he's 29. He is 29 and he has 143 NHL career games to his name, right? I'm pretty sure Travis Dermott, who's like five or six years younger than him, I believe it's five, has more career NHL games than Justin Hall. Yeah, he actually, Travis Dermott has 217. So just to put into perspective here is that everyone seems to think that Justin Hall is this veteran and, oh, why is he not in the lineup? He should be, he's, he was protected in the Seattle expansion draft. Um, why is Lilligren getting a chance with Riley on the top pair in practice today? All those things like there, I don't get this blanket trust of Justin Hall. He has shown that he can be good. It all, he has also not shown enough to get the benefit of the doubt for poor play and just assume that he's going to find it. He needs to yeah. be pushed. You yeah. know what I mean? And he, he is not, it's, this isn't Jake Muzzin struggling. This isn't Stanley cup champion, Jake Muzzin struggling, which Jake Muzzin also isn't playing up to his standard, but you could trust that Jake Muzzin will get it back. Justin Hall does not deserve that same trust right now. And that's why he's in the press box. But the way I look at it is, is why are we yanking Lilligren who's played well? You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, it's it's, it's like so stupid. It does nothing for the kid's confidence by, oh, you're playing well, kid, but we need to give this guy another shot? Like, play exactly. the hot hand. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. It makes no now, sense. I, I, would, I would get it if it was like Timothy Lilligren on a team like, I don't know, if uh, I, I guess another example would be in like in Tampa Bay. Okay. Tampa Bay uh, let's say they're playing and like Eric Chernak, a guy who has been on two Stanley cup teams the last two years is, is a much better player than Justin Hall is. And let's say he struggled. I don't know if he actually is, but I'm just saying, let's just say he struggles for a period of games and, and uh, Tampa goes to Cal foot who was actually drafted. I think a couple picks before Lilligren in the 2017 draft. And he goes and runs with it. Right. And Cal foot starts playing like pretty good. Like, okay, I can understand Cal Foot coming out after playing that well for a guy like Eric Chernak. Because Eric yeah. Chernak is a guy who has proven to that. play it at the highest yeah. level. He's earned that respect. I'm sorry, but Justin Hall has not. The, no, the, especially he, this season. He has especially not. This he is, yeah, and, and he, yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's, the, just, that's just the simple fact of it. That there's nothing really else to say on the matter is no, he, I, I he needs to that. earn his spot back. Yep. And like I said, I'm, I'm big on a meritocracy. Lilligren yep. has earned it. Sandin has earned a longer look and together they look really good. So exactly. until those here? young guys sh- yeah, until the, show their yeah. age, he, Justin Hall should not be in. But, unless but it's even an injury. still, but even still, let's just say Timothy Lilligren has a really bad game, um, you know, against Tampa. What like? Yeah, he he should probably go in for Boston that, too. Like, the, yeah, I, he needs a run. He needs a run again. He needs a run. He needs a run again. I don't because I don't want it. My fear is, and and we've seen it in Toronto, and and I've seen it in multiple situations. Is I don't want Timothy Lilligren's last memory is to be a bad game, you know, and and then sit. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's, I, it, let's it, it might happen spot. just because of injury, though, naturally, right? Like, I think oh, it's, it's, it sounds like Dermot's day to day. So, um, but it, it, might, it, look, but it looks what? it looks like calls get going on the third pair. And I think that's pretty indicative of yeah. the of the of the of the confidence that Keith has in in Lilligren right now is that it was probably He's very close. easy to it's probably very easy for Keith to think, hey, like we're going up against this, the cup champs tomorrow. And we got them coming into our building. All right, let's, let's just go back to, and I actually very, I appreciate this, this, uh, this idea of Keith is that it's very easy as an NHL coach to go with what, you know, and he yep. could have easily went back to Muzzin Hall or Muzzin Riley, uh, or sorry, Muzzin, yeah, Muzzin, either Muzzin Hall or Riley Hall and have those third, those kids, Sandine and Lilligren on the third pair and sheltered, but no, he, it looks in practice today, Lilligren's paired up with Riley and Brody's with Muzzin and Sandine's with Hall. So that to me is a good stepping stone for Lilligren and just saying like, Hey, yeah. like we believe in you, man. Like this is, yeah. the, this the is cup your champs are, yeah, the cup champs are coming into our building and you're going to be on playing with our, uh, one of our core pieces newly signed for eight years, Morgan Riley. So I'm really excited for tomorrow to watch that game or, but if you watch, if you watch Timothy Lilligren' uh, style of play, he's comfortable. I don't remember a time where I've seen him panic. Yeah, he gets I, the yeah, stick, exactly. and it's it's on the transition going out. You know, he's not afraid to let a shot loose off the point. Um, you know, and he's got that sneaky grit. I'm not sure if you remember it was earlier on in the year where he did that reverse body check. Yeah, where you know what I mean? He's and he's bulked up since we drafted him. Since the we, who am I? I, yeah. I like no, I, no, we, we, we. We'll go with we. yeah. We'll go with we. Like since the Leafs drafted him, he's he's bulked up. Like he looks bigger, and he doesn't look slower for it. He just seems like he's grown into his body. You know, he's showing the mental strength to you know to not panic, to just let let the play happen. And he, he he doesn't he he doesn't rush anything. Um, I think he complimented Sandine or Sandin really well. And he might be a, another guy that you know maybe down the road we look as someone that you can plug in on that secondary power play because he has a shot. Cut, know, hasn't gone in yet. Let's play a game. Okay. Fair enough. How much? What do you think uh, Timothy Lilligren's uh, height and weight is? Just off the I'd top say, of your head. I say he's 6'1", 185, 190. Yep, 6'1", 192. You must have the thing in front of him. Justin I Hall. I don't. I'm at Justin, Justin Hall. Go ahead. He's Justin Hall, I'd say he's a tad taller, so 6'2". And I have him, because of how you asked me, he's probably 189, 188. 194. So, oh, so a couple, couple pounds he's bigger. At, and, he's six, and he's listed at 6'4". So okay. I think what, what, why I asked is, is because they're, it's, it, I'm, I'm trying to illustrate the narrative, right? Is Timothy Lilligren strong enough to play in the NHL? Is Timothy Lilligren big enough? Is he quick enough? Though the, the same types of common questions that everyone asks about young defensemen in this league. And Timothy Lilligren is 192 and he's still only 22 years old. So there's still time to fill it out. And he's six one, right? So He's not the tallest guy, but he's a thick guy that I think can really throw his weight around. 
Um, and, and to me, that really excites me for a young defenseman because it's, he's, it's not his physical attributes that are what's going to make Timothy Lilligren the best player he is. It's not his height or his weight. It's his mind. Yeah. And it's, yeah, he's just, he, he's shown it in the AHL. He makes a great first pass, which is one of my favorite things about defense, like good defensemen in this league is that they'll, they more often than not will give you a great pass all the time. And that's something that we, I can't say about Justin Hall. And again, you have to look at situations, right? Justin Hall. And I was telling someone earlier today when we were talking about this is Justin Hall thrives in an, in areas where you could give him a narrow focus. Why did we always rave about Justin Hall? And he typically got his most, uh, he got most popular or most recognition for his games against the Edmonton Oilers, right? Where he can lock down on a guy on Connor McDavid. And the unfortunate thing of that is, is that if you are, if you're just known as the guy that can lock down McDavid, I would say I'm not taking those chances in a, like in a playoff series. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could lock down Connor McDavid, like, you, you did it like maybe four or five times, let's say out of the 10 games that you played them, but that's still five games. Like Connor McDavid's going to find a way to get on the board. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what, what else are you bringing in the games that you're not playing a superstar like Connor McDavid that you can, that could help this team win games. And if Justin Hall is supposed to be in an ideal word, but beside Jake Muzzin on a shutdown pair, your narrow focus that Justin, the narrow focus that Justin Hall needs isn't always helping the team facilitate what it's, what it's meant to do. And that is to get the puck out of our zone quickly and efficiently and into our forwards hands. Justin Hall can't do that really well. He he's not good at breaking the puck out. Um, He is not good in transition. Um, I don't think he has he's not good at getting pucks through to the net, which is something that frustrates me to no end uh, on, mo- on some of the Leafs defensemen. Like I really don't like defensemen that can't find a way to get a puck through to the net block shots. If you're getting your shots blocked as a defenseman, you're on my no goat list. I do not like you. You need to find ways to get pucks to the net, shift your weight, find a lane, something. Cause pucks to the net in and around the crease causes havoc, causes rebounds. That's where goals are scored. Right. And the, the worst case scenario is it gets blocked. It goes the other way. And now you're fighting your way to get back. So that's one thing. And that's something that Justin Hall struggles in. So again, this is all to say that I do think that he can find a way back onto this team. Justin Hall. Um, We talked about, we, I'm I'm sure we, everyone's seen the trade rumors about the Leafs looking to move a right-handed or a defenseman that plays on their right side. It could be Hall. It could be Dermott. Um, look, at the end of the day, there's nothing for me really else to say on who they trade because I really don't think they're in a position to trade someone right now unless they're getting NHL defensemen back. I think that three weeks is as much as we've talked up Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin over this time. You need at least eight NHL defensemen going into the playoffs. And I don't think that the Leafs have – defensemen on the Marlies right now just waiting in the wings that are that are like NHL ready you know what I mean it's the same thing that we talked about Pat at the at the trade deadline last year they go out and get a guy like Ben Hutton 
to to compliment him. And I even thought that wasn't enough. I thought they really should have went after a guy like Alexiak or or someone else um, to to really solidify their depth. Um, I'm pretty concerned if they're trading a defenseman right now for a forward because I I have more faith in some of the Marley's forwards than I do in the Marley's defensemen. And if I'm flipping a Dustin Hall or a Travis Dermott, I'm looking for a shutdown, maybe like a Bogosian light. Like a more stable guy? Yeah, someone with some grit. I'm looking at defense. I'm not trading a defensive for a forward, and I don't think that that's what they're doing. I think that they look at this defensive core. They see the same warts that we do. You know what I mean? Like Brody hasn't started this year off all that well. You know, Muzzin either through injury or through just age hasn't looked all that good. And if maybe it is time that they, they flip a Travis Dermott uh, or a Justin Hall in a package for someone that's a little bit more sturdy, someone that they can rely on on the back end to clear the pucks out, help with the penalty kill. Um, you know, getting them in early could really help them. You know, I, I always hate making trades at the trade deadline. Because it, it, it doesn't really leave enough of a run to really learn the systems and then the playoffs happen. Where if you could secure someone that's a little bit sturdier, you know, maybe a bottom two defensive, maybe a three, four um, with some size and some grit, I'm doing it now. You know, get that person, whoever that may be, in the system, get them playing, you know, try and see where the other five defensemen kind of play, you know, where they slot. And then we might still be looking at come trade deadline, the need for an additional defenseman um, because you can never have enough. We, we, we know that, you know, the back-to-back years of Jake Muzzin going down with injury is definitely evident of that. Um, that's why I think it's time that they look at someone that kind of brings a similar Muzzin-type-esque talent uh, as well as a Bogosian with that rougher tumble style of play as well. I believe we just lost Anthony. Anthony, you still there? I was on mute. I was on mute. Oh, my apologies. Welcome <laughs> oh, that's, back. That's my fault. I was talking to myself on mute. That's ridiculous. Uh, Anyways. No, no, that's... <laughs> uh, so, like, I think, I, think they're, I, I think if they do flip a defenseman, it's to bring in someone that they can rely on to be that more defensive end. And maybe that opens, you know, an additional lane for a Sandin or a Lilligan to grow that much further. Because we saw a lot of growth thinking, with, Sandin, with Bogo last year, why not? Yeah, I was I, I was thinking around something the same, but um, what I was saying to myself when I was on mute uh, is is uh, I I'm looking at teams that are probably going to be looking for a guy like Hall or Dermot. Um, I know with the injuries that LA has experienced, they're definitely looking for a right shot defenseman. What what worries me though is that if you're going to make a trade with LA their their need is right shot defenseman. So the chances are that you're not getting a defenseman back or, or a right or a defense, a right shot defenseman back in return. If you're trading hall, you know what I, you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm really am curious. Like, I don't know who is looking right now. Like mate, like, I don't know. I don't even know who Arizona has on their team. And so like, they're just off to such a bad start. I just haven't paid attention to them, but like those, um, I really don't know 
and it, I really don't know who they would make the deal with. I know they have a relationship with LA. So if it is LA and LA's in town, by the way, next week or like this upcoming Monday. So it would make sense that they try and make a deal then when they're in town. The thing is though, is I'm just, I'm worried about what the return is. I'm worried about what they, they got to have something else in the works. If they're trading one of Hall or Dermot for a defenseman, they might, I would hope that they have another team on standby ready to like flip a draft pick or something for uh, an NHL ready defenseman of some sort. You know I, what I, I mean? Think I think they're looking to patch up a hole in the defense. They, um, I, it, they it, really it's, need it's to. Glaring. It's they can't too, trade it, one of those guys. They can't trade one of those guys and just think that the, the six defensemen remaining are going to be healthy all the way through. You know what yeah, I mean? No, like, I, I, it, I, it just I doesn't make sense. I think it's a defenseman, and I think that it needs to be someone that can solidify the defense and then kind of allow, um, you know, the more offensive-minded guys to kind of have that free reign. Um, yeah, someone to that, play the penalty that, kill. That, yeah, someone to play the penalty kill, someone to, you know, maybe take a lot of the defensive zone um, face-off. You know what I mean? Like the like when, when you're starting to play in your own yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Get heavy D get zone the, starts. Yeah, that, yeah, that heavy D thing. zone starts. Yeah, yeah. Clog it up. Get the puck moving. Um, I, like I said, I don't see it being a forward. I think, you know, for Leaf fans, we should be looking forward to, you know, uh, Ilya Mikheyev coming back. I think he would slot in really nicely on that third line. The I Marlies would, got some good guys, like good forwards too, right? Like they still got that like Semyonov. They got Semyonov. They got Hosang. Alex like, Steves, I think, is Steve's he, good. He, he started Steve's the season good. hurt, but yeah. like I, come I, on. I'm, I got my eye on Steves uh, because I think that he is a uh, he's a uh, he's a guy that I think I, I got pegged on uh, the roster for next year, uh, but I think he could possibly here, play NHL games in a pinch, right? Like they got Hosang, they got Semyonov, they got Joey Anderson. There's a lot of forward options on the Marlies that can play games in a pinch, so. Again, like could I, well, here's I, something that I, could, I need something that though. I need I need to see I need to know like maybe like three or four teams that they're thinking of trading one of these defensemen too. But could uh, it be a package with McKayev coming back? Does that not make Envell possibly available if they see? I think to be it happy does. With Richie on the fourth. No, so no, no could you're a package, absolutely right. Right? Could Engvall or Engvall and Dermot or Engvall and Hall? get you something a little bit better than what we're even thinking. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's not a coincidence that, you know, people are reporting that Mikheyev is back on the ice, taking some reps in practice and this rumor of a possible trade with a defenseman. Like, well, maybe, they trade, maybe they trade Mikheyev. It's a bundle. Like he, did, he did request a trade. Like, I, I, I don't even know really like that. That is something that that's, that makes me curious. Right. Because, once he comes back, I think he's scheduled to come back in December. So he's still about a month out. But once he's scheduled to come back, someone who's making a decent salary is coming, coming out of on. the lineup, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be Engvall Simmons. Or it's either Simmons, Engvall, Richie, or Mikheyev. Those four guys for three spots. So someone's sitting out. Um, and if that's the way that they're going to go about it and then be the, I don't even know if the cap would work out that way. So maybe they're just anticipating that as well. So maybe it's a package, maybe it's something like, yeah, maybe it's a forward and one of the defensemen for For a decent defense or something. Yeah. yeah, Or a decent defensive. 
Yeah, that, like, like that makes, like that can spend, make sense. I don't know spend, who that spend player the money, is. But... Spend the cap. Yeah, spend the capital if you're gonna if you're gonna move it forward. And you know what, Nick Ritchie hasn't looked all that good. You know, like do we can like do you free up that salary if it's not Angbo? You know what I mean? Like we know that Ritchie's already has been in Keith's doghouse. You know, he hasn't come as advertised. Like I think they're gonna I keep don't... Richie. I, I don't think that they I don't think they signed him to a two year deal uh trade for him. that re to for to trade him. I, I I I again, like I said earlier in the season about Richie, I think that he's gonna make his hay in the in the playoffs. In the playoffs because again, and this is kind of a, a shitty way to think about it, but you remember that that hit that he laid on whoever was it Pesci and Carolina? It was kind of a borderline hit, right? And 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 everyone was complaining, like, oh, how is this not suspendable? How is this not that? Like, look, I don't condone that type of stuff. But it's like, allowed he, in the playoffs. He should have been a it should have been a penalty. But you know what? Like we say this Playoff every year hockey. in the playoffs, Pat. Like, I'm yep. sick and tired of getting watching my team get the shit kicked out of them between the whistles and nothing's being called. I'm sick and tired of watching my team get absolutely berated on the ice illegally and nothing gets called i yeah, don't so think that i don't think the standard of officiating is going to change in it, it when the playoffs start no, no matter so how much they say they, they're cracking on cross-checking yeah. i don't give a shit what they're saying now we know the nhl is full of shit on that so yes. like i want guys that play on the edge on my team i don't care like i know like richie le- leaves a lot to be desired on the ice but there's moments when a guy like that is a, is valuable, especially in the playoffs, he's a guy that's just going to play on the edge and he he's going to make other teams be afraid to play the Leafs and when he's on the ice. And you know what? I think he's added a good element to that fourth line. Did you notice that, that fourth? There was a multiple, multiple shifts over the last few games where that fourth line is just literally out there banging bodies. Like even yeah. Spets is getting involved. You know what I mean? Like, Unfortunately, yeah. like as much as I do like how kind of Pierre Engvall has taken the role, like he's kind of being a little bit of a shit disturber now. And I've noticed that throughout the lineup, even with Willie. And it kind of it makes me happy. Like these guys aren't taking shit in between the whistles anymore. They're not when the whistle blows, you could tell they're not just putting their head down, skating to the bench, all right, waiting for my next shift. They're getting physically involved in the game. So with that being said, I think Richie has a lot more to, to pl- play a part in that. He he's he's going to be a factor. Uh, I know I know it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, in shorter spurts than people want, especially with a two and two and a half million dollar salary attached to him. But yeah. it's I I I think he's going to bring something that people are going to like in it, some somewhere down the line. It's just an odd feeling, yeah, but I I think it'll be in the playoffs. I think the game slows down. Um, we know that he can he does have some offensive upside. And maybe we just have to just kind of ride the wave of the regular season where the game is a little bit faster. Um, but maybe, you know, he shows his value uh, when the games do start tightening up and you do want that big grinder, big body in front of the net as well, right? Because we know that that's pretty much his game. Um, this has been another wonderful conversation, Anthony. Um, any final thoughts before we end this week's podcast? No, I don't think so. Uh we, when this podcast comes out, it'll be game day, right? So uh, we'll have a we'll have a lightning game. That'll be nice. I think uh, Campbell's starting, so that's exciting. 
And yeah. then uh, the Big Bad Bruins coming into town on Saturday. So two huge games coming up. And if they could take even three or four points uh, over these next two games, they're uh, they're going to be back in the race in the Atlantic, right? They like I'm we're, I'm looking at points percentage right now. Boston is slightly ahead of them. They're four and three in their seven games. The Leafs are five, four and one in ten games. So Boston still has three games in hand, but the Leafs are also three points up. So that game on Saturday is huge. Um, and the game against Tampa as well are, is huge as well. Like if you could take take points off these teams, it'll make up for a lot of the lost points uh, against Pittsburgh and San Jose earlier in the year. So I'm, I'm, I'll be watching them closely and uh, expect big things from the guys. Most definitely. It has been a pleasure. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, definitely check out our Twitter. Uh, we are running a uh, contest, a follow and retweet contest right now. Uh, we do have a nice lease package uh, set to be given out at the end of the month. Have a great, have a great week, everyone. Thank you.